Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 through 36. This is the word of our Lord. Let's give our attention and our submission to it. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it is. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each one of you as much as he can eat. You shall take each an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. The people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. So morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. But on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded tomorrow is a holy Sabbath, a day of solemn rest to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people Sabbathed on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. And the people of Israel ate the manna forty years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth part of an Ephath. This is the word of our Lord. Let's give thanks and let's pray and ask him to bless it this morning. Lord, we hunger and we thirst for your word. And we pray that you would fill us this morning. That you would satisfy us. That you would teach us what it means to live by your word. Pray, Father, that your spirit would be in us, that your, your power and your presence would be among us, and that we would hear about Jesus crucified. We would rejoice and surrender to him. These things we pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. 
What's the worst that could happen? That's a phrase Masha said to me a couple of times, quite a few times, especially when I'm anxious, which is often when I'm running late. I'm anxious, right? We're, we're late, and I hate being late, and I'm like rushing and trying to, to get everything done. And then she asked me, well, what's the worst that could happen? And my first answer is, well, I will literally die if we don't get there on time. So that's the worst. But then I calm down, right? And I remember the worst that can happen is, yeah, we're a little late, and that's okay. We've all felt that kind of anxiety, right? Where a big, a small thing gets blown up into a big thing, but in reality, it, it is just a little thing, and it's just a blip, and the anxiety is unnecessary, and just being asked what's the worst that could happen calms you down. But there's another kind of anxiety that I think we feel as well. And it's, it's a deep anxiety. Not about small things, like being light. But have you felt deep anxiety? Especially as you look at our world. As you look at the fact that our economy seems like it's a train wreck, hurtling towards collapse. Our country is a mess. Our world is promoting evil and wickedness. What is good is being called evil, and what is evil is being called good. Any one of us could lose our jobs. Any one of us could lose our home. And what then? The question, what's the worst that could happen, actually makes things worse. Because you're like, well, the worst that could happen is I could die. (laughs) Or I could lose my home. I could lose my job. My family could go hungry. My kids could be seduced by the world. They could leave the faith. My marriage could fall apart. It's overwhelming. No matter how much time and energy you spend, you can never seem to catch up let alone get ahead. And it doesn't help that it seems like others are doing less than you, and yet they are miles ahead, and you just are anxious. Because it seems like you, you, you feel like you're barely surviving today, let alone tomorrow. Because what if tomorrow's worse? All these questions, all these anxieties, they have an answer. It's just not an answer we want to hear. And the answer is in our call to worship this morning. And we'll experience it in Exodus 16. Because the answer is that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because we, we all probably think that our anxieties are caused by our circumstances. But in reality, your anxiety is a distrust of God's word. So the answer isn't to change your circumstances. The answer is to surrender to God's word. And that's what the Lord is teaching you and teaching Israel In our passage this morning, you do not live by bread alone. You live by the Word of God. And we'll see this in the daily gathering. We'll see this in the ceasing on the Sabbath. 
And we'll see this by the reminder that is kept throughout the generations. So we'll see that man does not live by bread alone. You do not live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. And we'll see it in the daily gathering, the ceasing on the Sabbath, and the reminder throughout the generations. So the first way that Israel will learn that they do not live by bread alone is in the daily gathering of manna. Because remember in the previous passage, which was a couple years ago, feels like, the Lord promises to send quail and manna to Israel in response to their grumbling. But even as he fills them with bread, it's an anticipation of being filled by his glory and never going hungry again. The bread that he promises is not going to truly satisfy them. And then he says in verse 4 of chapter 16 that the giving of manna was a test. Will Israel surrender to his word? That's the test of the manna. So in verse 14... Right, the manna appears uh, almost magically right on the face of the wilderness, this fine, frosty, flaky thing. And the Israelites see it, and they say in verse 15, what is it? And that's how manna gets its name, because the Hebrew of what is it sounds like manna. They don't know what it is. They've never seen something like this before, and so they go, and Moses says to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it. Each one of you, as much as he can eat. So in God's amazing grace, he provides not only a bread that nobody had ever seen before, but there's no lack of it. Everyone is to gather as much as they can eat, like Golden Corral, but without the salmonella. This bread is is heavenly, and there's tons of it. But because it's heavenly and not earthly, it doesn't work like earthly bread. Verses 16 through 18. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of each one of you as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of the persons that each one of you has in his tent. The people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each one of them gathered as much as he could eat. So for every person in your tent or your household, you would gather an omer. It's roughly three and a half pounds. Um, But the text also says that some gathered more. And some gathered less, but it was always the same. Exactly enough for that day. No one had too much, and no one had too little. And now verses 19 through 20, Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. Ask yourself, why, why did some of them leave part of it till the morning? Because that means, right, that they did not eat as much as they could have. It wasn't like they ate as much as possible and there were leftovers. Because he said, whoever gathered much, there was nothing left over. So this was intentional. This was saying, I'm not going to eat as much as I want. I'm going to leave some of it. So why? Because they wanted to store up extra for themselves. 
just in case God didn't send manna the next day. Just in case God doesn't send manna tomorrow, I'm going to leave some to hedge my bets. Just in case God doesn't keep his word. They did not trust God's word. And so they tried to control the future by storing up for themselves. But the manna doesn't let them. It rotted and stank. Because the Lord knew that if Israel were to store up for themselves, they would trust their storehouses instead of him. And that's why, also, no matter how much you gathered, it was always sufficient, but not excessive. It was always enough, but not more than that. Why? Because excess leads to self-reliance. But sufficiency teaches you faith. When it's enough for the day, that leaves tomorrow in just enough uncertainty that you have to trust God. You can't store up for yourself. You can't hedge your bets in case God doesn't keep his word. You're forced to have no choice but to realize that tomorrow is completely dependent upon God. That he gives you enough today. And you have to trust his word for tomorrow. Which means Israel is learning that they don't live by bread. They live and die on the basis of God's word. So if you feel like you are running and running and never getting ahead... If you feel like you're barely surviving today, let alone tomorrow, perhaps the Lord is teaching you that the manna for today is sufficient. Tomorrow will worry about itself. You must trust His Word today. You must surrender to Him and His Word and entrust yourself not to bread, not to storehouses, not to even to your own gathering ability. You must entrust yourself to God. There's a second way that Israel is to learn to surrender to God's word. Verses 22 through 23. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. Two omers each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until the morning. Now, this is the first time that the word Sabbath shows up in Scripture. And we, today, identify it as the day of rest, which is not wrong. But one commentator believes that the the literal meaning of the word Sabbath is cessation time. Or to put it another way, Sabbath means something like cease. It's a day of ceasing. It's a day to stop. So Moses is talking to Israel in verse 23. He says, tomorrow, this is the literal Hebrew, tomorrow is Sabbath, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. 
And then in verse 30, he says, So the people rested on the seventh day in the ESV, but in Hebrew it says that the people Sabbathed on the seventh day. They ceased on the seventh day. Why am I making a big deal about this? It doesn't matter whether it's a day of rest or a day of cease. Who cares? Um, Aren't those the same thing? It does matter for Exodus 16. It does matter for this passage because rest has a much nicer connotation. Right? Putting your feet up, taking a nice nap, putting around the house. It's you've done all the work and now you get to take a break. But that's not quite what the Lord is teaching Israel in the wilderness. Because for six days they gather. But on the seventh, they're to stop. Why? Because to stop gathering requires surrender. To cease from your efforts and your labors is an act of faith in God's word. And the opposite then is true, right? To continue to work on the Sabbath is an act of anxiety and distrust of the word of the Lord. So verses 27 through 28, and on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and your laws? In other words, how long will you refuse to surrender to my word? Because remember why the Lord has commanded a Sabbath. It's so that Israel will have to trust God when the manna doesn't come. Just as much as when it does come. So Israel will be forced to cease from their anxious toils and learn that they live by God's word. Not by bread. Not by gathering. Not by labors. To cease on the Sabbath is an act of trust in His promises. Yes, the manna didn't come today, but I know it will come tomorrow because God has promised. These should be hard words to hear because it is so easy to work on the Sabbath. To turn the Sabbath into another day of of anxious toil. And I'm not talking about works of necessity. I'm not talking about works of mercy. I'm talking about if your job schedules you on a Sunday, what do you do? God has commanded you to cease on this day. So I ask you, what's the worst that could happen? And you're probably saying, I could lose my hours. I could lose my job if I tell them I don't work on Sunday. Or if I don't do something today, I don't know what tomorrow will hold. Things are so tight as it is, I don't know if I can stop working. I know God has told me to rest, but it's so hard. But ask yourself this. If God could provide magical frost bread in the desert for 40 years for hundreds of thousands of people, 
Do you really think he won't provide for you? Or to put it another way, this is Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Surrender to these words of Jesus. Do not be anxious about your life, because the Lord loves you. The Lord has promised to provide for you. And only by ceasing from your labors will you begin to see it. And one more point to drive it home. The last few verses from 32 to 36, it says that the Lord commands that an omer of manna be kept throughout the generations. He says, so that they may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord wanted future generations who are going to be living in a land of excess to remember, to see the bread of the wilderness. So that they would not forget the lessons that their forefathers learned as they wandered for 40 years, eating bread every day. By the grace of God. He wanted future generations to remember that they do not live by bread. Even if they have abundance in the land. That they are not to trust in their storehouses. They are to trust in the Lord. They are to realize that they do not live by bread. They live because the Lord says so. And we have something similar. Throughout our generations, we come to worship on, the, on Sunday to cease from our labors and to eat heavenly bread. We come to hear God's word. We come to be fed with his scripture. And then God feeds us with the table. Because the Lord's table in front of us this morning is a constant weekly reminder that God has fed you. Not with earthly bread. Not with bread that can be stored up and controlled. He has not fed you with bread that you can put in a special place for a rainy day. He has fed you with the bread that has come down from heaven. Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate. You do not live by bread. You live by the word of God crucified for your sins. You live by the promise that if you believe in Jesus and surrender to him, your sins are forgiven today. And he says to you, my grace is sufficient for today. And tomorrow will worry about itself because he is going to be the same yesterday 
today and tomorrow. That's what the Lord's Supper proclaims. Proclaims that Jesus died for you, though you are a wretched sinner. That he died in your place and he ceased on the Sabbath because the work was complete. So when you cease from your labors during the week, you come to a table that the Lord Jesus has prepared for you himself. Not to feed your belly, but to feed your soul. To be an answer to your anxieties. To wash them away with the words of the Lord. That you are of more value to him. Because you are his people. So come and surrender to him. And find the answer. You live by the word of God. I'd like to invite the session and Pastor Brett forward so that we can partake of this heavenly bread. Lord God Almighty, your word gives us life. But we confess that we, we are anxious people. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your promises. We anxiously toil and store up for ourselves. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us and we pray that you would change us. That you would... Give us the grace to surrender to your word and your promises that you will provide our daily bread, not because we deserve it, not because we have gathered enough, but simply because you are good and you love us. Lord, thank you for the gift of your son. May knowing him and knowing his word shape every part of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.